Oh, it's like it's gone. <laughs> My favorite part. 2020. 2020. Episode 2. Yeah. 2020. It's March, everybody. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I should have been. Yeah. I can't believe that. It's almost spring. It feels amazing outside. And the sun is out. I'm coming back to life. South wind is blowing in. The direction of the wind was a big deal growing up for me. Why? I grew up in Oklahoma. The Great Plains. Did you have a lot of wind issues? Yes. Like tornado stuff? Absolutely. Okay. Tornadoes, yes. You know the closest tornado that came to my house? No. A mile away. I sat on my porch and watched it. That's so scary. I'm terrified of tornadoes. Up in Alabama. I know. I saw a lot of them. <laughs> they're scary. They are scary, but they're kind of. Ugh. They're cool. cool if you know you're not going to die. Did you ever watch the movie Twister? Obviously. Yes. Yeah. I love that movie. Did you ever go on the ride at Universal Studios? I've never been there. Oh. Well, it's pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched. Actually, this is so funny. We were talking about this because I just had a conversation about tornadoes like 10 minutes ago with another friend. <laughs> talking about that was one of the first differences I saw in our marriage the first time Ken and I ever experienced a tornado siren together I was like grabbing I grabbed a bible a flashlight our dog and a bike helmet and was like running downstairs and Kent was like walking on the porch and was like I'm gonna go take a quick shower I was like what like in Alabama people like go to their basements yeah it's not you don't play around we didn't have basements Ugh, you don't play around with stuff like that in Alabama but I mean, yeah. Probably not Oklahoma either. You've no, more tornadoes it's in us. Tornado Alley. Ugh. We're all in the same area. Um, yeah, I mean, we didn't, we just learned to, it's coming, it's coming. You hang out in your closet, that's the best you can do. Maybe your bathroom. But they don't have basements in Oklahoma. Why not? Well, you know, like in the movie Twister, there's like cellars outside. Did you have a cellar? I did not. Oh, no, I was, we weren't that cool. We weren't that <laughs> far out into the country. Yeah. So we were like in rural area, but like we weren't um, so far out there. But if you lived on a farm, that's what you had. What are those called? I Just a cellar? Yeah. Tornado cellar? Sure. Well, no, I mean. Bunker? Yeah, bunker. Oh, no, it's Be not. helpful like, with the coronavirus. Now. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many diseases down there. Um, no, you just, it's just a cellar because you store stuff down there. That's true. Um. But we just had a closet underneath the stairs, which was your best option. That's so scary. Yeah. We're so getting into that season because now the south winds are blowing. Did you hear about the one in Nashville? Yeah, oh. that's why I was just talking about it. Yeah. It's very sad. Through a city. That's not normal. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's crazy. That's very sad. Yeah. I hate this season because it's so – they always come at night. That's what freaks me out. I'm like, you're normally asleep, and then the siren goes off. When you have kids, you're like, should we wake them up? Yeah. <sighs> See, I, I, like, don't overthink it at all. I'm just like, uh, I mean, the likelihood of <laughs> it hitting our house. People die. I know. That's how people <laughs> die. Um, but I've experienced enough to where it's it's not as <sighs> fearful for me. I know. I have to. I shouldn't be as afraid of them as I am, but I am so scared of them. Yeah. But I also, speaking of wind, I also, you probably know this, we were hanging out with a friend who's, who lived in California and they were explaining why the Pacific Ocean is always that, always the same temperature 
and why California has such great weather. It was all about the wind over the yeah the water. I was like, that is so cool. I never knew that yeah. about how it always. Well, now I feel dumb. I can't remember exactly why it is. The way. I can't explain <laughs> it, but wind was a big deal growing up. If the wind was coming out of the south, hot weather is coming. If it's coming out of the north, cold weather is coming. That's so cool. Yeah, which I think is true, like, everywhere, I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, but that was, like, the thing you talked about. Like, is it a south wind? <laughs> this podcast, we're talking about wind for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, what I do want to talk about, Susan, is Friday Night Lights. Oh! I've been recently... Um, Best show ever. Addicted to the TV show. And everyone should watch it. Everyone should watch it. And there, this this show I started a long time ago. I watched the first season. The first season was so good. I thought for sure there's no way they could do better. I turned. Do you it still off. agree that with I that? turned it off? And then recently, I was like, I think it's time to start it back up. And I have just been like running through it, and it is it's so good. I'm going to say I'm in the fifth season right now. I'm going to say the first season is still the best. The just, other you ones just need to finish it. The other ones no are amazing, but there's something so simplistic about the first season that I just love. I get that. You got to finish it. Yeah. But uh, yes. Yeah. It's so good. It and just a plug for the show. I love that show and it, it is about football, but it's not about football. No. So don't if you're like, Ugh, I'm not gonna watch a show about football. It that is just the canvas they use to talk about relationship, and it is so good. Yeah, and we were even saying um, it's worth. It has been so worthwhile doing youth ministry. It's yeah. just like a huge window into what yeah. we do. <laughs> it's been yeah. really, yeah, really good, really helpful. Yeah. But John's a coach, and so I think it hits him on it a hits different me, level. It hits me on a different level as a coach. Um, because the are, are a, You are a coach. I am a coach. So it hits me on that level. I can see that the issues that he's having are the same issues I've had with kids that I've coached. Um, and then his wife is just, she's also a, a counselor slash principal, and she um, deals with it from the school front. So you just see this youth ministry happening outside of the context of the church, but also in a very healthy way of how to enter into teenagers' lives um, intentionally. And it's just really cool mm -hmm. to have that on secular TV mm -hmm. and for them to do it in a very healthy way. Yeah, to deal with real issues and, and how hard it is to be a teenager. Yeah. Like it just I feel like they nail it. Yeah. It's such a if good you job. watch it, you will see a lot of the realities of being a teenager. And it's an old show. Like yeah. even early two thousands up. Yeah. Gosh. Early two thousands. It's what's really funny is the first season is uh the same graduating class is the graduating class of for me. So I can, I can relate a lot to it because the, the things that the students are going through is exactly what I went through when I was in high school. Oof. Cell phones are starting to come out. <laughs> Flip uh, phones. Yeah. Nokia's. Yeah. <laughs> but here, here's why I bring it up. Um, there's one thing particular I love about the show more than anything else, and that is when somebody wants to talk to somebody. Do you remember this, Susan? I don't know how long you go. you've seen it. And I don't know if you noticed this. I love that show. Anytime somebody wanted to talk to somebody, what did they do? 
Just in gen- anybody or Coach Taylor? Just anybody. I think they did this very intentionally. I mean, I could guess, but I feel like you have a very specific thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they would go to the person's house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't call. They didn't text. Uh, they would, when they wanted to talk to somebody about anything, almost, they would go drive to their house, knock on their door at any time, and say, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. And they would talk in person, and it was an amazing conversation. And I think the director or the writer, whoever, was trying to say something. Mm. What I believe, what he is trying to portray is that human interaction is the key to authentic relationships and conversations. And this is on the cusp of cell phones becoming ultra popular, you know, smartphones, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it was easier back then because we didn't have access to that, but I think it should tell, tell us as the viewers, like how important it was for Mm -hmm. somebody to go out of their way. They had to drive all the way to somebody's house. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing that and knocking on people's doors and wanting to talk to somebody person to person over on the phone. I'm still that way. Yeah. But I, I bring this up because it is one of the biggest issues of being a teenager today uh, that they have a heightened sense for what is authentic and what is not. And technology has a huge play in that. And today it's not new, but it's definitely heightened their emotions towards finding authentic relationships. So today's episode, I, I really want to mm. discuss like why authenticity is a huge benchmark for trusting somebody as a teenager. So they have this, this awesome sense of justice of understanding if somebody is being hypocritical or authentic because this stage of life, they are trying to figure out who's been honest and who's been true. It's almost like They've woken up to a lot of people lying to them. And so, so they start to question a lot of things. But we'll get yeah. to that in a minute. Yeah. Before, before we get to that, I want to ask you, Susan, about what is an inauthentic person been like? You can give me a story like you've confronted somebody who's inauthentic or generally speaking, you've been to a, you've bought in a car and you're, you're not sure. <laughs> I don't know if you have any sort of... Mm thing to pull from like what's what's an experience of confronting an inauthentic person I think for girls I think <clears throat> the <laughs> just thinking about I mean not that adults are immune to this either but the idea of being two-faced is pretty ingrained in girls pretty early not all in it but um not being able to tell who someone really is and I had a friend that I grew up with Elementary school, we were really tight. Um, You know, you grow up and you hang out with different people. But I remember in high school, she kind of came back around on the scene for me as far as a friend, but more like in an acquaintance role. And um, she was someone I never felt, I'm going to use the word safe around. I'm going to say safe emotionally because I wasn't ever sure who she was. She was someone who was able to float around a lot of different social groups, which sometimes that's really good, and sometimes that's really confusing. And so she wasn't someone I trusted because um, of her actions 
indifferent, like a, com- a social chameleon. I'm not sure what I'm getting. And so it, for me, it was kind of like, I want distance from that because you don't feel like a safe person because I'm not sure who you really are. Are you this person that when I'm with you face to face that is kind and normal and like pretty steady Eddie or are you the person that I see in different social settings that seems really different and I think that holding that together is so confusing because it's like I don't know which way is true or which way is up and sadly I think that can happen with a lot of girls just because they're figuring themselves out too Uh, you know (laughs) so that's a very vague I can get more specific but that's a very vague just like experiencing a two-faced person that I used to know and realizing like you don't feel safe to me anymore so yeah 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 I think that's two-faced is an off often used term when it comes to being somebody authentic and Mm. especially with girls especially (laughs) when I said that I felt so old-timey yeah (laughs) two-faced two-faced uh or genuine like are you the same person all the way through yeah you grew up in the South. I grew up in what I call the Cowboy South. And, and my parents grew up in the South. And that was a common stereotype of Southerners. I'm not downplaying any specific person. But that's just sure. kind of a stereotype that you're really nice up front, but behind closed doors. Might who, not be. Who, <laughs> know, who knows? Um, you can expect them to, to back, back talk or whatever, gossip about you. That's just kind of a stereotype. And so I, that's like something that jumps up into my mind. Yeah. But when I was a senior in high school, my last semester, we're required to do an internship, which was a really cool part of the high school that I went to. Uh, you you find an area of uh, a field of something you're, you're thinking about pursuing as a career, and they encourage you to just go out and find an internship in that field, and you it counts as like one of your classes. And I was interested in music, so I naturally was like, what can I do with music or, you know, audio engineering and all that type of stuff. So I drove down to the radio station, Z104.5, Edge. <laughs> and it's a building that looks like a cigarette lighter, and it stuck out. <laughs> like, uh, if you're ever in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you see a building that looks like a cigarette lighter, that's the radio station. <laughs> so I drove there, rode the elevator to, you know, whatever the – floor that the radio station was on and I just literally walked in and I I don't know why I was such a bold teenager (laughs) I walked in and I said hey my name's John I'm a senior at Holland Hall and I need an internship and I would love to do it on the radio station and seriously one of the DJs was like um can you like start right now and uh, (laughs) I'm dead serious (laughs) And I was like, I'm like, I don't need to be paid. This is just for school. I need to find something to do. And they're like, sure, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, we'll have you sit down here, fill out some forms, and we're not going to pay you. And I got right to work. And it was it was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever Are had. Are you on the air? So I've, I was on the air a few times as the intern, as they called me. I'm serious. They wanted to hire me because I was going to be the butt of all jokes. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So they <laughs> they they brought me in, and they, they're like, all right, great. You filled all your forms. Let's bring you into the studio, like, right away. Oh, gosh. That is terrifying. 
And the first thing I noticed, so I meet all the DJs. This was my favorite radio station. And that, you know, you fall in love with, like, DJs or whatever sure. just based off their personality. And you have this this person in mind when you go to meet them. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually meet them, you're like, Disappointing. Oh, you're not <laughs> the same person. Yeah. You could probably, I don't know if you could say that about us on this podcast. No, the opposite. The opposite. We're exactly <laughs> the same person, uh, which I think so. If you know us, you probably realize yeah, um, this is the same people. <laughs> <laughs> as much as we fail on here, we fail in real life. Yeah. So we, so I was in there and I just remember looking around and I go, these people are very different looking mm. than I thought they'd be. <laughs> And then the second thing was that they didn't really care about each other. And that is sad. it was sad. They, they're like, this was just a job. They didn't really care about their co-host or whatever. And it was, it was just somebody to. Interesting. Yeah. I, I recognize it, especially when we got off the air and we would go to events. So a lot of my internship was, you know, I was a coffee runner, but I also went to concerts and did promotions and I would go to like venues and like bowling alleys and just promote the radio station and give out free giveaways. It was a pretty cool internship um, pretty for sweet. like an 18 year old. Yeah. And I would be out super late and half the time I was designated driver for uh, oh the, the <laughs> DJs. And I remember like going to those events and just really thinking like, mm. you are not the person that I thought you were based mm. off. The way you talked, the way you interacted with the DJs, the way you interacted with um, the listener is not the way you actually are in person. That is one of the most crushing yeah. things when you have, like, a notable personality. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. You're like, you're kind of a famous person, mm-hmm. and we could probably say that about a lot of celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, we expect them to be the person we see on screen. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, my first time I really woke up to the fact, like, wow, people can be two-faced. I come from a pretty authentic family. Not our authenticity may be <laughs> harsh, uh, but we were definitely authentic all the way through, yeah. and we prided ourselves on it. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like a wake up call. Like, oh, people can really put on a face mm-hmm. and make up something to to be whatever. I will say the the when they brought me into the studio for the first time, I immediately knocked off an autographed oh gosh. like poster of blink 182 and it just shattered like on air uh it, it was like and i just remember them just like oh there's our intern you know, intern what they call me intern josh uh oh, that's so sad. yeah which is not my name my name is john and that was incredibly embarrassing so uh that was my <coughs> huge experience and that's what i mean by being authentic is, is you know are you the same person that you're putting up front in front of people? Are you the same um, in the open and behind closed doors? And this is something Jesus brings up um, again and again and again. You see it through all the Gospels. You see a lot, um, what I read through was a lot in Matthew. And in Matthew 5, it actually, uh, there's a, a quick example of, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And he, he's really talking about um, this issue of being like what you say, let it mean what you actually say, and let it be what you actually believe. Mm-hmm. Um, don't waver. Mm-hmm. Um, know, know without a doubt who you are and who you serve. 
Um, do you truly follow the king? If you do, you should live that out as well and not just say it. Mm-hmm. So that that's what authenticity is. And we'll get a little bit more into scripture in, in a little bit. But I really want to talk about how teenagers are extremely vulnerable and just hyper aware of the fact that inauthentic people exist and they are actually testing almost every single person in their life. Are you authentic or are you not? I think this has been uh, on an incline uh, for today's teenagers. It's always been a topic of conversation that I've had in the 13, 14 years up in new youth ministry. Susan, would you agree that's something you've talked about with students? Yeah, Whether probably they use more the word, so now than ever. But yeah, yeah. I think it, it's definitely heightened uh, over the course of time. But what's happening with a teenager, I, I like to imagine as if when you, when you come of age, when you hit adolescence, we've talked about uh, with the many books that we've talked about with uh, brain science and what's happening in the adolescent's brain, is they're almost waking up to their emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they do that, uh, they're also waking up to the relationships that they have. They begin to question them. Can I trust this person? Can I trust even my mom and dad? So it, as a child, you envision your dad being kind of this superman and your mom just kind of somebody who can see out of the back of their head. You have this, you have this heightened view of your parents that they're, they're superhuman. They're, they can see and do much more than I could ever do. Mm-hmm. But when, they, when you hit adolescence, you realize, oh, my dad can't just lift up whatever he wants. <laughs> or his ability to move that isn't that great. I can also move that. And they also became aware to mom's ability to sense emotions and to sense what's going on. And so they're like, well, why should I trust my parents if they're not much different than me all of a sudden? They've also kept information from me. It's, it, it's this unreal experience when, be, when you become an adolescent. You're realizing your parents and authority figures withheld information from you. Mm-hmm. And probably for very, very good reason. Right. But because they're waking up to their emotions and to, uh, they're, they're moving out of the black and white stage and moving into a gray stage of understanding life, they are questioning their trust that they have with their parents and other authority figures. You and don't have the category that that's actually a provision yeah. instead of like, yeah. how dare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it happens over time. It's it's I, I like to think of it as a light switch just because it's easier and because every kid comes at it at a different stage. But I think of it as a light switch in the sense of they're, they, they're turning things off in the sense of like, well, I, I was very trusting of so many people, and now I'm like, I don't know who to trust. Uh, and so almost the stage of adolescence is all about figuring out who am I going to make authority in my life. Is it, can I only trust myself? And for a lot of teenagers, that's very true. They only trust themselves, which is one of the reasons they're extremely self-centered. They will begin to trust more their peers because their peers are going through the same thing. Again, we've talked about this with Dan Siegel, and we've talked about this with how does the teenage brain work and all of that. Um, this is all normal stuff that they're going through. 
But as one of the biggest questions that they're asking when they confront somebody is, are you authentic? Is what you say true? Um, do you believe it or are you just telling this to me? Um, and they, they want to know, are you being authentic to me? Would you say that's true? Yes. Yeah. So as, uh, as they're kind of figuring that out, they're going from person to person. This is kind of the, the stage where they're realizing that their upbringing wasn't flawless. Um, they're experiencing like, oh, I remember when this happened. I'm just now coping with it because my brain can finally is at a stage where I can finally cope with the brokenness that occurred. Um, so all of that is beginning in the, in the adolescent stage. And they're also starting to date. And what happens with dating when you're a teenager, especially? Susan? What do you mean? Like, what happens? If you're a teenager and you date, what is inevitable? <laughs> Hurt. Brokenness. <laughs> I wasn't sure yeah. you were I was like, yeah. well, a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yes. The likelihood of it turning out a disaster yeah, is like so much Dating in the teenage <laughs> years... I'm not going to say whether you should or should not. I'm just saying that the the brokenness of it and the experience of it is so Pretty much high. It is so high and so harsh yeah. um, because you're dealing with these highly emotional, hormonal beings. Mm -hmm. And they're also experiencing relationship in a way that they never have before. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're creating these check marks or these tally marks of people are unworthy of trust. And so they associate what happened with one person, maybe a girlfriend, and they may associate all girls to that person because right. of what they did. So it's just kind of this journey and this back and forth between relationships with teenagers. They're figuring it out. So I want to say, parents, they're probably, teenagers are not going to be trusting you. You've probably already sensed that. We sense that as youth leaders. We spend years, this is what we spend kind of the middle school years with our teenagers, developing trust so that we can one day speak influence into the, the kids' lives when they hit high school. Um, not that there's, we've talked about that in the, we, we can have influence and we can have conversations like that in the middle school years, but a lot of that, a lot of the middle school years is building up the trust so that the high school years are more fruitful, Right. Yes. I, I think one thing when you were saying that, I was thinking, um, as a parent, I wonder if that's hard to hear, like your kid might not trust you. But I was thinking to my own experience, and I, th I would say even this topic was different when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that I would have known to put it under the category of trust, but the feeling, <laughs> I would say the feeling is my parents don't understand which I th yeah. is saying the same thing yeah. um of it's been so long since you were a teenager and you just don't you don't I know you're trying to speak into this situation but like you don't really get it yeah and your way was different yeah you yeah. have no ability to speak into this because you have yeah. no clue yeah which is obviously not true yeah yeah <laughs> but um yeah, I was just thinking about that of like what what would how would I define that like what does that really look like to not trust your parents as a teenager because I think I think there is some like good underlying trust that yeah. all kids have with their parents but like that feeling of like yeah. you can't understand me at this point because yeah. you don't understand the pressure, you don't understand fill in the blank, you know. Yeah. 
um, that that's like a very real painful place yeah. and isolating because yeah. you don't know how to invite your parents into that because yeah. you don't believe that they could ever understand. Yeah. Um. Well, let me put it this way. I, I think adolescents, the, between the relationship between adolescents and their parents, if it was a generally normal upbringing um, with no major trauma or whatever, let's just remove that for a second. If that were true, the adolescent stage is more about testing the trust that they mm-hmm. have with their parents. The trust is there. Yes. They're now, they're wanting to affirm that the trust that has always been there is still true through the teenage years. And now the, the, the child is no longer blindly trusting you. They're now seeing like with critical eyes, can I truly trust my parents? And so one of the key factors, and we talked about this in the last episode, with your relationship with your teenager is all about consistency. Are you being the same person throughout my upbringing? And it's going to come out different. They're going to test you. Mm-hmm. Parents, you, you know this. Teenage years are really hard because they're going to test you in very different ways, very uh, damaging ways. They may just deliberately disobey. They may run out of the house. They may, you know, go, you know, out partying against your will. They may, I don't know, um, whatever category you want to throw in there. Um, They're just, that's what they're doing. What they're doing with those things is they're testing how are you going to respond to that. And based off how you will respond will create a relationship bond between you that creates an authentic relationship or an inauthentic relationship of trust. And that's what the teenager wants to know is how are you going to respond in that situation? Is it in love that you're telling me you do? Do you love me? Or is it just discipline without love and now discipline is a form of love and that is something that needs to be taught um and and we can get into that at a different time but i do want to say that your child does trust you they're just they're just testing that trust totally yeah in a normal upbringing so today why it's so different and this is my own theory um and this is based off of just a ton of stuff that i've read um there's parents there's there's not any one resource or whatever on this topic. And I think it needs to be written. Um, I've, I've looked far and wide, but uh, this is my own assessment based off a lot of stuff I've read on the internet and on technology and, and on, on the adolescent brain and all of this. And today, as you probably can guess, that technology creates this huge rift um, in authenticity and trust mm-hmm. um, because it's creating this layer of, um, or as I should say, a, a barrier of relationship, uh, that it, it's hard to determine a authentic relationship versus an inauthentic one. Mm-hmm. So when you ask a teenager about their social media usage, they will say, this is probably nine out of 10 kids that I've talked to about this specifically. They will say Snapchat is the best social media. <laughs> Let's remove TikTok for a minute. TikTok has blown up recently. Let's talk about Snapchat and why Snapchat is preferred among today's teenagers. Do you know, Susan? Can you guess? I, I'm actually really interested what you're going to say. I I wonder, I'm, I'm interested what you're going to say because I was thinking, I wonder if it's helpful because there's no record, like because things disappear. Like That's a, that's um, a part of it, sure. Not necessarily always, yeah, I don't know. I'm overthinking that one. Yeah. Why don't you tell me? 
So these are the words of the teenagers. It is more authentic. Why? Because it's it's, it, it's in the moment. Yeah. You take a live photo and you take a, you know, like you can't really overthink it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, this is what like baffles me. It's like you can still manipulate it. <laughs> right. But what they will say, it is social media with limited manipulation yeah, available. That's true. Which when I heard that multiple times, um, not asking this specific question, but when I heard that multiple times, I'm like, they really crave authenticity. They want to know somebody like vulnerably and fully and without putting up a facade. They don't want somebody to overthink a post. They don't want somebody to overthink a conversation. They want realness. And that's what authenticity comes down to. Can we be with, real with one another? Can I be exactly who I am all the time with this person? And that is a true test to a teenager saying, like, can I trust this person? Are they the same person that they're sitting here talking to me or being with me as they are at school or at this function or whatever? And Snapchat, there's still so many issues with it. Snapchat removes some of those issues. Um, You can be a little more real. You can be a little more authentic. That's a live photo. I didn't think about it. I didn't filter it. Um, yes, there may be like a dog face on it, but it's still, <laughs> it's still gen- generally a live photo of where you're at. And it's normally like, if it becomes a conversation, it's very obvious, like what you're doing, yeah. how you are, yeah. like you can't. It's easier to stalk somebody on Snapchat. Yes. <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> but there's still a lot of issues that come with it. I'm not I'm not here promoting Snapchat or even <laughs> that you can tell your child to get Snapchat because it's more real. I'm I'm you, I've probably stated this a million times. I hate social media uh, for many many reasons. I'm again like in Friday Night Lights. I'm the person that likes to go door to door. As bothersome as it is sometimes when I get a knock on my door at 10 p.m., I love it. It can be exhausting um, and it can be tiresome. It's like I can't ignore a knock on my door. I right. can ignore a text. Right. Um, and for a teenager to come knock on my door at 10 p.m., that's them saying, I want a real conversation here right now. I want to see how you are emoting with me. Mm-hmm. They crave it. I think with technology today is they crave it, but they don't know how to do it. And so part of our role <laughs> as so leaders awesome. and as parents is to show them how can you be authentic and be real with somebody. Because I honestly believe there's no 100% way to do that online. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. So we talked about, this must have been like five or six episodes ago, about teenagers live in two worlds simultaneously. We all do. Our virtual world and our real world. And you could be two very different people. Today it is very easy to be... um, two-faced because we live in two worlds and so testing the waters of authenticity becomes much more diluted and I think this is why this is one of the number one issues for for students today is they're experiencing another rift in authenticity with their relationships they feel that's one of the reasons they're feeling lonely they feel like nobody can truly know them 
it's why they turn to being online because they feel like they can be more authentic online. They feel like they're going to be so less funny. judged. <laughs> it is funny, but it's that's why I think it's a huge yeah. issue for them. If I sit across uh, the table with somebody and having dinner, I'm like, what's what's bothering you? And they said, I just the only the only person I feel like I can be myself with is with you, mm-hmm. which is a huge honor to hear that. Mm-hmm. Again, they could be lying to me. Uh, <laughs> I know teenagers too well. <laughs> they could be lying to me to just make me feel better. <laughs> about myself and my job. <laughs> but if I'm that only person in their life, which is true for a lot of kids, mm-hmm. they may have one person that they can trust and they're not sure if it's their parents. That's hard. And you as a parent are probably doing a phenomenal job. But just know that your teenager is feeling that. They're feeling isolated. They're feeling like nobody can be real with them. Nobody is patient with them. Nobody is pursuing them in the way that they want to be known fully. And they probably crave that most from their peers. Like True. They're wanting that in a different way than, like yeah. you said, even when you're rocking it as a parent. Yeah. Those are just years you just you want your friends you want to know who your friends are. You want their approval. You know, like that's just where you are developmentally. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's, it's a huge issue. And I wanted to bring it up on this podcast and saying authenticity. I want, I want everybody to be authentic with everybody. So does Jesus. And, And that's kind of the point is he, he, he came to lift the veil of, of evil so that we could see our true selves as sinners, but also as bearers of the image of God. And I was talking to Susan about this. Is This is one way that teenagers really lead us in bearing the image of God. Jesus wants us to come to him as ourselves, where we're at, and that when I, when I sit with the teenager, they're, they're sitting there thinking they want the same thing of us. They want us to come to them and be real, uh, but they want to be real with somebody. And that only comes with the, the mutual agreement of, can you be real with me and I'll be real with you. sitting and, and, and talking uh, to the scribes and Pharisees. And he's talking about all these woes, these woes to the scribes and Pharisees. And it's all these calling out of hypocrites. And what is a hypocrite? Um, Susan, what do, you, what do you think of when I throw that word out there? Um, someone who says something but does something else. Yeah. Like just... Yeah. Living totally separately from what they claim they believe or do. Yeah. So if you live like for for Jesus, he he's 
he's just calling out uh, these people who are supposed to be setting the tone and living out um, a religiously faithful life to God the Father. Um, and by their words, they're doing it, and even by some of their actions, they're doing it, but it's not being followed up with a genuine uh, effect on their life. So Jesus comes to them, and he uh, really just calls them out. So if you've lived any time in the, in the Bible and spent time there, you'll notice that Jesus does this a lot, and it's hard to hear, and we should see that this is a value that, that God wants us to recognize in ourselves. And I'm just going to read this one bit, and this is all throughout the chapter of Matthew 23, but it says, What are you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy, faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out gnat and swallowing a camel. Then he goes on, he says, You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. So the same person all the way through. So in order to have authority of um, speaking into somebody's life about being a faithful follower of Jesus, you also need to live that out within yourself. You cannot just tell somebody to do these things. You also have to live it out. And I, I believe this is where Christian teenagers or or teenagers were wanting to become Christians, and they're having these questions about the Bible and what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. They're looking to the authorities in their life, and they have a wide array of authorities in their life. Their peers can be them. It can be their teachers. It can be their coaches. It can be their parents. It's basically anyone in their life um, that they have a relationship with. Um, they're going to think is, if this person truly wants me to be a Christian— can they speak into my life about these things? And the true testing waters of that is, are they also living this out? Mm. Believe it or not, your child is questioning you on that. Yeah, we do actually hear that. <laughs> I mean, yes, those are conversations we do have. Yeah. Like they're watching. And I want to put weight to that. Yeah. Um, it puts weight to us as youth leaders. We, and his parents. I'm like, and ah. as parents. Like, I, we've got to do it with our young children. You've had to do it with your young children. It is scary how aware of this teenagers are. It is like almost they're zeroing in on this. Yeah, um, they can sniff, like, hypocrisy yeah. from, like, a mile away. They're so blind in so many other mm -hmm. things. And we write teenagers off for, for that for a lot of things. But this thing they are seeing, are you... They're watching. Like, are you living this out? I hear you saying it, but are you living it out? And as youth leaders, we are confronted with that all the time. And it's okay when you're not, but being authentic and being real and being genuine is when you're not, you must confess yeah. to when you're not. And that's one of the, the important things is recognizing we fall short of that and coming back and confessing that to the teenager is really uh, important to them and helping them understand that is part of being a faithful follower of Jesus is, is recognizing our own sins. I'm saying like, I have wronged you. It is possible for an adult to wrong a teenager. They're waiting to hear that and they want to hear that. Um, there's this, it, coming back to Friday Night Lights, there's this, this awesome scene where 
uh, Coach Taylor, who's who's kind of the main guy, and his daughter Julie, who's I think fifteen or sixteen, in this episode, and she runs off to this bar or something, and and she gets stood up by this guy or whatever, and Dad has to come pick her up, and Dad sits <laughs> her in the car, and he's furious, obviously, like super late at night, and he's sitting there thinking like he has all the right to just discipline her and say let's just go home you're in a ton of trouble that's end of story but he sits there and this is why i love this show he sits there and he says you do not get to make these decisions you are still my child you are only 15 years old but because you're 15 years old you also has a have a voice and i want to hear about what's going on Please tell me what's going on mm. because this concerns me because I care about you because I want to know you. This is a secular TV show. And I'm like, that is an authentic <laughs> dad saying, I'm concerned. You're definitely in trouble. You're still my child. I'm very concerned. I want to hear you because you're at an age where you can have a voice and you deserve a voice. Mm-hmm. And I love that interaction between the two of them. Um, I've never cried so much in a TV show. <laughs> I'm not a crier, but I cry a lot in this TV show. I cried in that moment, and I was like, that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So w- we have to ask ourselves, are we being authentic? Mm-hmm. Are we? Can we be genuine? And that may mean we need to be more genuine to other people before we can be genuine with our kids. But just know that your child, your teenager, your adolescent is testing you on it. Whether you believe it or not, um, they're very, very aware. And at the very least, even though you're being authentic, they may be coming back and saying, like, I'm, I'm still not seeing it. I'm not seeing the authenticity. Um, and that may be coming from being inconsistent in, in the matter. Inconsistency is a, a test of authenticity. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're authentic one time, that means you need to be authentic another time and another time and another time. It's just not a one-off thing. It's a, it's a building relationship of authenticity and genuineness. So I want to wrap up in thinking, what what can we actually do? How can we press forward with this? And I think you have to ask yourself, what, where am I in my relationship with my adolescent? Is there a mutual trust? Am I aware to the fact that, that my child is testing me on these things? If your ultimate goal is to instill and advocate for the gospel in the life of your child, as it is for us as youth leaders, if that is true, are you also living that out in your own life? Mm-hmm. Part of being a parent and part of being an influencer of teenagers is you first have to take care of the inside of your cup before you can take care of the outside of the cup. And uh, it's hard to deal with that in the teenage years just because you feel like, I've only got a few years left of influence on this kid, which uh, is a sense of urgency. That's why in our seat, we're like, we only have so much time. (laughs) We hope (laughs) that the kids in our youth group come to everything because we realize we have a limited amount of time to influence these kids before they make these decisions on their own and set in into their ways of who is authentic, who has authority, who should I trust. 
praise the Lord, I became a, a Christian when I was 17. I was questioning authorities left and right. Mm. But the one authority that I came to trust was in Jesus, even though I came to distrust, distrust so many other authorities. That is the Lord's grace in saving me and, and instilling that in me when I was at that stage of life. So it's not lost. I was 17. I was a senior in high school when that became a reality. So it's not too late. It's, it's putting them in front of the, the, um, the right things. And most importantly, that's in front of Jesus to always be pointing that direction where you always talk about how we can be pointing our kids to, to Jesus. So I like to think of it this way. If you say it, show it. It seems simple. And another important thing is just listen. Listen is something that teenagers crave. They will talk your ear off. <laughs> Even if, they don't, if they're not talkers, they will emote your ear off. <laughs> yes. uh, you just have to be patient enough to sit there and listen. And it can take weeks, months, years. But you have to take the time and show that you respect them. They want to see that. You can say that you respect them, but by showing them you respect them is by listening to them. That's true of us as adults as well. We want to be heard, and so do they. So begin doing that. So if you're at the beginning of you know, the adolescent stage with your child, start doing this. Start thinking about how can I be more authentic? How can I give? How can I be patient in the time of testing with my adolescent? Uh, if you're in the midst of it, um, you can... You can begin doing these things thinking, like, how can I be more authentic with my child? How can I sit and listen to them? How can I be patient with them, but also be very consistent with them with everything that we do? But also remember to repent. Be a lead repenter. That's so huge. Be a lead repenter, because if you repent, they will repent. And that may take years for them to repent, but you, believe it or not, are the key influencer in their life. Um, and so if, if you want them to grow in Christ-likeness, you need to be doing that as well with them. Mm -hmm. They deserve that. Mm -hmm. So, and lastly, if you feel like this has all just gone past and you're like, I think I've just, I don't, missed <laughs> I've missed the boat. I just don't know if I can develop that type of relationship with my child at this stage of life. Jesus has done much greater things. He's restored much greater relationships. Absolutely. There's always time. And remember, it's, it's kind of, you know, even if you're in the midst of it, if you feel like it's gone past, it is still good of you to repent. And it is good mm -hmm. for you to come back to your teenager and say, I am sorry that I did not live out the way that I said you should live out. I have not been authentic with you. I want to begin being real with you. I want to be genuine. I want to show you that I care about you. They want to hear that. And there's gonna, it's going to take a lot of hardship to get back to it. I, I deal with that in my own life. I've seen students that have graduated dealing with that where they're at. But again, we want to be chief repenters and always be pointing to Jesus. That is what is going to this, make this work. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to help the teenager follow. They're going to waver, but they're, they're going to eventually see that the consistency in their life is Jesus and the people leading them to Jesus. And that's what we want to do by that. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about the story you shared about the radio station. 
I actually have a rule for myself that ev- almost every, I love that I'm saying famous, but every speaker in the Christian world that I've ever seen, I made a rule a long time ago that I don't go meet them. <laughs> because someone that I, I heard speak, I could not wait to go tell them how much I appreciated their talk. And when I went up to talk to them, I realized they're very different on stage than they are in real life. Mm-hmm. Not like in a gross way, but like they're super introverted. And so like for me to be like, oh my gosh, I just really loved everything he said. And they were like staring at me and I was uh-huh. like, this is awful. I wish I'd never done this. And it was painful. But I was thinking about how, like you said, as we're going to have to apologize to our children. Like that is just the reality of parenting that I'm realizing. And um, what a great space to be able to point them back to Jesus. But the reality of getting to share that Jesus is the only person we're going to know a ton about and that he is exactly what he says he is when we see him face to face that will be true but that's true now I was thinking like when you were talking I was just thinking about like how um there are just so many examples of that like obviously in his life and ministry but just thinking of year hundreds of years of what was written about who Jesus was going to be who he was going to show up to be and obviously it was different than what people thought but like him just even fulfilling scripture when he was the son of God he could have done whatever he wanted like he knew that the cross he was taking on was going to be awful and if he had wanted to do anything else because he's God he could have but just realizing like his authenticity is that the right word authenticity um is so blatant through scripture it is so um a bedrock of what we can put our faith in and like our trust in. It's like, we can always go back to that. And when we meet him, whether now in scripture or when we see him face to face, that he will not disappoint. Like it will be the exact opposite. And just like that hope is so encouraging. And just as we mess up as parents or friends or fill in the blank, that like, that's always a place to point people back to Jesus and to say, I'm sorry. Like, um, Because we're not going to do it right, and we fail at being authentic sometimes, and that's just hard. But, like, learning to talk about it and learning to repent is, like, the first step of actually healing that. That it's, like, never too late to to start that, you know, and never too late to try again. Yeah. Um, So. Yeah. Makes me think about, you know, every once in a while, I'll get a tap on my leg, and I'll look down, and one of my children will call me out on something I did wrong. And that's why I love childhood, like children, is they're they're extremely <laughs> black and white about it. And they'll say stuff like, I don't I don't like the way that you talk to me. I know like my five year old will say, I know that I did something wrong, but you didn't have to say it in that way. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd have to get out down on my knee and either say I'm so sorry. I did not need to say it in that way um, or do it so harshly. Or I will have to say, yes, I did. And here's why. Children crave that. They want, like, they need to know why. They're capable of understanding those things. 
Um, and Jesus comes across as this really harsh teacher sometimes. But there are many times where he's extremely patient and really <laughs> walks us through lessons and ways we can grow. I mean, he's the chief authenticity person. Like he's nobody's more human and than him, um, but he's also equally God. So he he is this this true image of God as a human, and um, that should be our standard in which we should try to live. And again and again and again, if we want our children to be like that, we must seek after that first. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So good luck. To all good us. luck. <laughs> this is um, it's a tough one. It's a long one, um, and there's nothing crazy definitive, and th- I think that's why it's so hard. But just know that your child is struggling with this. Mm-hmm. They are trying to trying to figure you out. Um, trying to figure themselves out, trying to figure out everybody in their life. Who can I trust? Who is worthy of trusting? And at the very least, you can say nobody except for Jesus. (laughs) What an awesome message you could tell your child and live that out by constantly saying, I have fallen short, but here's Jesus who has not. Preach it. True authenticity. Every time. Guys, Susan's about to have a baby, and it's going to be awesome. We've taken a poll, and we think it's going to be a girl, majority. We think so. We think so. Which means it'll probably be a boy, because I'm normally wrong. You know, um, <laughs> so what that means for us is, I mean, we only do these like once a month anyways. <laughs> we may, you may not even notice she's gone. <laughs> there is a chance we might release a special spring break episode. We're heading down to Panama City Beach. I'm just kidding. <laughs> With MTV. <laughs> you remember that? Do they still do that? Yes. Yeah. So um, we might be on hold for a little bit. We may not, um, but hang tight. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for passing along this podcast. Um, we're growing, which is really fun to, to hear and see and know and um, to know that somebody's listening to us. And it's not just Susan and I in a room for like an hour. <laughs> Um, But we thank you guys. We love you guys. Please let us know of any questions or suggestions, things you want us to talk about. We always have a million ideas in our head, but this podcast is for you guys. And we want to put resources literally in your pocket through this podcast. And um, we hope that it has been. So we'll see you in probably April. (laughs) Yes. All right. 